Blog Talk Radio. That looks terrible. Come back home to Africa. Come back home 
who do central federal copyright. <laughs> oh, it's truly and indeed a blessing. Come on with it. <laughs> Come on with it. And I'm always grateful and humble before the ancestors and those who came before me along this who do obey a life path and journey. I'm, I'm always humbled and great power, the knowledge, the truth, the, the teaching, and, and of course the obia stick as it is passed down, as it is, as it is gifted unto me, and as I now gift it unto you. This legendary culture, this tradition, this story, this history, it is indeed our sacred stories, our sacred stories. And I invite you to visit my faithful, beloved historian, teacher, friend, partner, Denise Augustine, and you can visit us at www.OurSacredStories.com, www.OurSacredStories.com. Understanding that spiritual knowledge and power lies in its efficacy, efficacy, its ability to, put, to manifest tangible, reliable results and manifest, manifestation right here, right now, in this most present moment in time space. All else is vanity. All else is ego. All else is an illusion. All else is a distraction. And it's for that reason that I, I for one, will not be silent. I for one cannot be silent. For indeed, even Dr. King said, and I think I posted it, shared it earlier today on my Twitter.com forward slash The Divine Prince. Twitter.com forward slash The Divine Prince. Please visit, like, share, follow on, on my Twitter. I would most certainly appreciate it. But even Dr. King said, he who passively accepts evil is as much involved in it as he who helps to perpetrate it. He who accepts evil without protesting against it is really cooperating with it. And so from that platform, from that basis, I won't be silent. I can't keep quiet. I dread the day that I might be mistaken for you. I dread the day that I might be confused with you. And for those who aren't following me, the you is those who would appropriate, who would bastardize, <laughs> who would overtly commercialize for the sake of disintegration of our culture, our practices, and indeed our traditions. Does it matter? Absolutely it matters. Does it matter when you visit your pharmacist? Does it matter when you fit, visit your gynecologist? Does it matter when you visit your dentist and your physician? Does it matter when you, when, when you buy your food from your local trusted grocery resource? Does it matter? Absolutely it matters. And so indeed, I will not be quiet. <laughs> I will not be silent. This voice 
will be heard. Respect the voodoo will be heard. All is a blessing will be heard. And let's be clear. It'll ring, it'll ring on long after my physical demonstration. All is a blessing is here to stay, beloved. Respect the voodoo is here to stay. And that ashe, that energy that's connected with it, that it is created from, that it is built upon, will carry it forward. So I, for one, will not be quiet. Does it matter? Absolutely it matters. My people don't need yet another distraction. My people don't need yet another detour. My people don't need another complication in their progress, another roadblock in their progress to finding self, to the discovery of self, to the empowerment of self. So does it matter? Indeed it does. And and when you don't know any better, you get a momentary pass. But when you know better, you do better. So Yes, I will sing it out. I will sing it out loud from the mountaintops. I will preach it. I will bring it. It will continue to come forward. Absolutely. I won't be silent. Absolutely. Cut out your foolishness. Who who remains silent in the face of immorality? Who remains silent in the face of, of, of evil? Who remains silent in the face of wanton wickedness? And the conversion of people's time and and resources and trust and money and support and love. No, beloved, I won't be quiet. Not this one. I won't be quiet. All is truly and indeed a blessing. And I greet each and every one of you, both individually and collectively, if I have not done already, Melissa, uh, Worthen, greetings, beloved, divine, all blessed. You look like you in Jamaica, at least in that picture. <laughs> Keisha Smith, greetings, beloved, greetings, greetings, greetings. Denise Preston, welcome back, our faithful participant and listener. Thank you, thank you so much for being present. Ashe, Ashe, oh, Ashe. Thank you, thank you. Greetings, greetings. Did I miss anybody? Angelica Holmes, thank you so much for returning as a part of our participating audience. We certainly love and appreciate everyone who continues to support and show up and donate and participate. But I, I take pride and joy in those who are doing the work. Greetings, Juan Rapani, my beloved sister. Hello, hello, greetings, greetings. All is a blessing. Sterling Miller, thank you so much for being present. Greetings. Greetings, beloved. Greetings. Yes, that picture is like, it's just life. Okay, Sterling. Arisha, Eva, Arisha, Mojuba, Arisha, welcome, Arisha, welcome, welcome. And of course, give all due respect to our beloved moderator, Keona D. Carter. She helps me to not miss anything. She helps me to pay attention to what's going on in the chat because y'all know I can go off on a tangent sometimes and I can get caught up in the explanation of things sometimes. And I invite you to utilize my phone lines, if you will, at Erico code 845-277-9143. Let your voice be heard. If your visage is not ready for camera time, you can always call me at 845 877 
And of course, follow the link that is scrolling at the bottom of the screen if you indeed wish to be a part of the uh, on-screen participation. In fact, let me hide it just for a second so I can copy it. And then I'm going to pop it back into the chat again. If you just follow that link, you too can come on and share your peace, share your vision, speak your mind, share your thoughts. I, as always, have so many things that I want to talk about, and I've been accused of being overprepared. It's that Labor Day, Virgo, 11-11-33 thing that's going on. And so um, I'm often overprepared. I often have way more tabs open than I need. I often have way more books available to me than, than are required in that moment. But I'm the son of a teacher, a retired educator. <laughs> I'm the son of, 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 a, of, a, of a retired uh, minister. I'm, I'm the son lineage of ministers and teachers and, and sharers of wisdom and information. So it's sort of organic to what I do to have way more information. And indeed, my godchildren are grateful for the wealth of information. Those who can figure it out, <laughs> those who can get it, are grateful for it and understand the power and the value in information. What kind of world would it be if we all had to learn and relearn everything on our own, every day, every minute, every moment, from scratch, what kind of world would it be if we had to relearn fire every day and every individual couldn't contain that and retain that information to the point that it becomes collective knowledge? And collective knowledge, of course, then settles in into your genes, then settles in into your blood, then becomes a part of that Jacob's Ladder, that DNA structure that, that exists within us, but also around us when we understand the dynamics of, of what that is. And in the dynamics of string theory, any reality that you can understand right now, that you can accept right now, that you can envision right now, whether you agree with me or, or not, it's not, in the, it's not necessary for thought to this idea. But in the, in the processes of string theory, any reality that you can envision right now, that you can see right now, that you can crystallize right now, it's already real somewhere in one of the multidimensional spaces in which we live in, in which we create in. So why not set up connectivity to that which is in your best interest, to that which reinforces what's true, to that which reinforces what's organic, to that which reinforces the mind. And, and indeed, the mind is our God center, is our God point. It's what connects us indeed to the realm of the divine and spirit and, 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 and these multidimensional spaces that, that uh, uh, Einstein and, and many other mathematicians and scientists um, configure in, in the idea of what string theory is. 
So why not embrace the idea that all is a blessing, that all is well, that all is as it should be, that all is in balance? In the effort to further that wave energy, that move of demonstration, and not just in your personal life, but then in your space and in your in your environment. Why do we hold on to those things that don't serve us? Why are we quick to take the detour to those things that only lengthen the agony, that only lengthen the pain? I presented before in previous shows that it's built into the culture. It's built into the commercial. It's built into the system. It's built into the idea of of what popularity is, of what acceptance is, of what being American is. And it doesn't leave a whole lot of room for individual thought process. Um, Some would say that's in there by design to prevent us from being self-thinking, self-sufficient, self-motivated, for fear of, of, of the rogue energy, if you will, for fear of, of, of the rogue individual or the rogue colony or the rogue community that refuses to accept the status quo, that refuses to accept things as they are. Uh, I'm looking at my phone lines, area code 612, area code 612, who's calling and where are you calling from? Hi, it's Sterling. I'm calling from Minneapolis. Erico six one two, are you with me? Yes, can you hear me? Hello? Okay. You can continue to listen. I did open your mic. Greetings, beloved um Kalia. How you doing? I can't hear you. Hello. Oh, I got my hold on, hold on, hold on. I just figured out I got my uh, computer on mute. Hold on, let me go back to the phones again. 612, who's calling and where are you calling from? Hey, it's Sterling. I'm calling from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Can you hear me? Yes, greetings. Did you get a new phone? What's going on? I can, I can actually hear <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I am speaking through my headset, so it's easier okay. to um, communicate. But, yes, I hope all is well. Um, I was... I had a question concerning, because um, I know, like, biblically, and some of us are coming from that place, like, there is always this thing about faith being combined with works to, like, bring forth the desire or the intention. Um, but I'm thinking about, like, how that would work with magic and why if it just takes the practical steps why would there necessarily need to be, like, magic done? You know what I mean? Okay, you broke up just a little bit. I heard the why would magic me. I need to hear that first part again. So I know that there is, um, like, (sighs) one second, I'm sorry. Um, But, yes, there's, like, when it comes to magic, um, there has to be like work behind the magic in order for it mm-hmm. to come into fruition. But my question mm-hmm. is why, if there is practicality in a step-by-step to gain the um, desired outcome without magic, what would be the point of using the magic? You know what I mean? Uh, I do. Um, to some degree, I-, I agree with you. 
I think um, magic is being overused. I think magic has become over uh, relied upon, and, and particularly right now in this present moment in history. Um, we want to use magic for very, you know, to, to figure out what color I should wear today, you know, to, to figure out should I go to the left or to the right, you know, um, and, and are not applying the magic from from within because magic is in nature, magic is in the universe, magic is indeed in creation, but magic is in you, magic is in you, and so we have the fear, you hear me say it all the time, Sterling, that fear of doing the work, doing the light work, the shadow work, you know, the dark work, the hard work. We have that fear. And when we think about all the, the, the images that we receive about what magic is, even in entertainment, let's look at that right now as teaching aid. The witch, the sage, they're always ancient. They're always old. If not a hundred years old, they're a thousand years old. You know, they have the warts, they have the white hair, they have all this outward symbolism that suggests history, that suggests experience, that suggests having gone around the block more than one time. You know, mm-hmm. the concept of sort of the 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 youthful witch. I don't know who that is, and if you're watching me, please stop calling my Skype. It's it's really irritating now, um, because I know it's somebody who's watching me right now, and you know I can't answer a call right now. So stop calling my Skype, please. Um, and you notice the call did not transfer to my cell phone that time. So thank you. I know you heard me. Um, so the idea that that you know the youthful you know, virgin, you know, even in ancient times, that was always an illusion. I understand the old hag, the old witch, the sage, the warlock could all transform themselves into youth if they choose. Can appear mm-hmm. as a real age if they choose. Can, can choose to be any age in between if they choose. But, it, but it's not the same thing as acquired Ashe, acquired magic. I say all the time that we don't own Ashe. You can't buy it. You can't rent it. You can't storehouse it. It's a collective universal energy like chi, if you will, Ashe. So it has to be fed. And it cannot be fed in isolation. It cannot be fed singularly, you know. So there's this rush to want to produce quick shortcut magic that we see in cartoons, that we see in fairy tales, that we saw on Charm, both the old Charm and the new Charm, you know, the, the TV show Charm. And, and this idea that magic is somehow now not just practical sterling, but carnal, if you understand the word. Carnal. When we, say, when we say carnal, we, we're talking about flesh, level. We're talking about survival level. We're talking about without higher chakras being activated when we think of what's just carnal, what just meets the instant gratification, what just meets your need right now and in the moment. And as I was saying in the introduction, when we think about 
TV commercials for the last hundred years. Take a pill, drink a bottle of this. This machine for not just send me nine ninety nine, and this product will make you sexy, will make you thin, will make you young, will make your hair grow back, will make your boobs pop out. You know, and we we buy it, <laughs> we buy it. And these commercials have been on TV for decades now, and they still keep coming. There, there's a new improved version of the new improved, you know, and, and it feeds what's carnal. It's a distraction to what's spiritual. It's a distraction to what's real because what's spirit is real. Spirit is real. I, I beg you all to understand that one concept. Spirit is more real than anything that's operating in the physical. If we break this down, to its molecules, to its atoms, to its carbon, you know, hydrates and all that other stuff. This is all the same thing. Me, this wood, this dirt, this plant, this rock, it's all the same thing. Now, now man has introduced artificial elements onto the planet, you know, which could be destroying us all, you know, and, and could be here forever, according to science, you know, themselves. But that that which is for the quick fix often leaves a toxic residue that then has to be removed, cleaned up, fixed later on. Oh, yeah, you're good to eat a, a, a and I'm not here to bash no brands, okay? But but you can eat a, a Whopper every day. You can eat a Big Mac every day. You you can eat a, a what's the biggest sandwich Wendy's got? Wendy's triple burger, bacon. You can eat that every day if you choose. And you might say you are okay until you your arteries clog up, until you have that heart attack, until they discover that cancer, you know. And so the shortcut is always pushed in front of us. You know, how cheap is the triple burger compared to real food? How cheap is fast food meal compared to going and buying lettuce, greens, beans, you know, healthy, real food. So it's a bad message, Sterling, that's been reinforced and pumped at us at every level. We can't just blame the commercials. We have to look at the music. You know, we now have a generation, those of you who are younger than me, <laughs> we now have a couple of generations who have grown up seeing people with no education, no skills beyond Maybe they shoot, maybe they can rap, maybe they can keep a rhythm, you know. Now, that's not to disparage real musicians, real professional artists. But, but I'm talking about, again, growing up in that, send me $9.99 and you can be whatever you want overnight and seeing what appears to be the illusion of people blowing up. Y'all know blowing up is an illusion, right? Nobody really blows up overnight. Not really. Um, so... There's the idea that it's supposed to come quick. It's supposed to come without any, any, any work. It's supposed to come without any, any study. And, and they're missing part of the equation, Sterling. And, and that is, as you, just like the witch, it is, is displayed in fantasy. As you learn, as you grow, you're picking up real tools, real powers, to use gaming words, real magic that sticks to you, that stays with you forever, and therefore em empowers your work 
moving forward. And there's too many that are trying to build with no foundation. They're trying to build with no instruction. That are that are trying to build based on what they see people talk about on on YouTube. Now, some of the people y'all are looking at on YouTube are comedians. They are not spiritualists. <laughs> they are not voodoo practitioners. Um, okay, Kalia Sterling, give me a moment. Come on in, Kalia. How you doing? Okay. Hi, how are you? Yes, ma'am. We hear you good. I'm a mom of ten, and you know it's a journey. I'm a grandmother. A mom of ten. A mom of ten and a grandmother. Oh my goodness. where we are in the world in terms of global world timing, like you just said, we have to read the book. Someone, one of my godchildren, I had this discussion yesterday as it relates to education and sort of this battle that's brewing right now, especially in our community, in the environment of, of coronavirus, over how we educate our children. And, of course, there are aspects of, our, of the conscious community that have been disputing public education for years, being exposed to the system, 
learning the system, uh, going into universities, which costs a great deal of money, uh, by the way, you know, to be a member, quote unquote, uh, of the system. And my take on it was that my mother, who is a retired educator, um, who did indeed expose us to system education, uh, I I went to both public school and private school um, coming up. Uh, But she also taught us on her downtime. When the other kids were playing on Saturday, we were doing math and science. When when other kids were taking, you know, whole vacations during the summer, we were reading books and doing book reports. We were going to a museum every weekend. We were going to a library every weekend. We were going to the the theater, to the symphony, to, to the opera to see gospel. We, we, we were exposed to the world without physically having to, to travel the world. And, and particularly those of you who reside in, in big cities like Chicago and Philly and, and New York City. And, and I often hear from those regions that we don't have a lot of people like you up here. I often hear from those regions that we don't have a lot of space to do what y'all do up here. And I just don't agree when I was living in Chicago, I grew herbs. I had potted plants. I also knew where they were in, in the environment. Before they, tore, before they tore up Belmont Rocks and the lakefront of Chicago, it was lined with peach trees, apple trees, blackberry trees. All of that is gone now that they had put that concrete step there in Chicago. And so New York City, you know, find out where the vegetation is. Find out what, what, well, you're down here with me. So Florida, Louisiana, you, you understand. We have, we have, that's, that's my line of um, area that I've been in and that I'm studying. Um, I grow everything to heal the body. Um, only, only. I enjoy doing that. I enjoy healing the body. I have everything, pretty much I have everything in my house, in my yard, to grow and to heal the body. I believe it's all natural remedies. Mm-hmm. I eat a fairly healthy life. I don't really eat, I don't use sugar at all. It's in my house. I'm not diabetic. I have a little bit of blood pressure, but, you know, that's when you have teenagers doing it, honey. <laughs> yes, yes. And places like Florida, Louisiana, California, what kind of food is in your community or, or, or in your city? Um, I, I can remember, you know, when I lived uptown New Orleans, I, I knew where every mango tree was, where every kumquat tree was, where every every misbelief tree was, uh, where every orange tree was, you know, and I would go and collect, you know, my products. But, but we do the same thing in terms of herbs. Uh, there's a cute little app that I found. Um, I really shouldn't advertise for them. It's not like I'm getting any money for it, but it's called uh, Picture This. Picture This. Um, And and it does have a a yearly subscription price, but with Picture This, it will identify any plant or tree that you take a photograph of. And I mean great, great information. Great information. So, you know, it's no, because I'm from the island. So my, my mother, I was adopted. People who adopted me were Jamaican. So I lived in Jamaica from the 
because I'm going to move on to a linker for, for a second. But, but I just want to add to what you said. Now, be careful. Be careful. Because the plants in the, in the Caribbean, we, we have some of those, but not all of them. And, 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 vice, and vice versa. Uh, I often teach about the Africans who were captured being able to recognize many plants here in the New World from West Africa but they still had to adapt to new variations of plant, new variations, you know, uh, of vegetation. Come on in, Olinka Green, beloved. Hello, how are you doing today, sir? All is a blessing. All is a blessing. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you for letting me be on your show. And second of all, I want to say that when I lived in the Caribbean, I lived in St. Croix, and uh, I got very sick while I was there, and the lady... Just put 
but it speaks to our desire for the quick fix. You all do understand that one or two marches ain't going to fix this. One or two protests ain't going to fix this. And if you're not prepared, Olenka, <laughs> if they're not prepared to protest every day for maybe the next 10 years, you know, like a civil rights movement, like a Marcus Garvey movement, then you're not being realistic about what it takes to move energy. And magic, let's think about what magic really is now, the illusion of something magical. Let's go to the Bible. And and Moses had the rod, and Pharaoh challenged Moses. Moses said, let my people go, or God is going to bring pestilence and wrath upon you. And he threw that rod down, and it turned into a serpent, the original opium. Okay? I'm leaking truth right now. The magicians threw their rods down, and all their rods turned to serpents. But Moses' rod, Moses' serpent, according to the story, ate up all the other serpents. So, so that speaks to the difference between divine intervention, ancestral intervention, angelic intervention, and quote-unquote magic. That's why I don't particularly care for the word spell. All this dirty language, English is a dirty language, y'all have all these hidden meanings, all these double entendre. Spell means temporary, beloved. Spell means temporary. So so how often do you need to feed that, to fix that, to go back at that, to readdress that be, before we get to the root of what healing is? Removing it so that it don't become the generational curse. Removing it so that it isn't repeated again. You know, doing the real work for empowerment, when we think of our great leaders, and you can choose anyone you want, male or female, they put a lot of years into that, a lot of their life into that. I'm not talking about the mortar, like like Emmett Till. Emmett Till was a martyr. Emmett Till didn't set out to be a, a emblematic of of our, you know, desire for freedom. He he was an unfortunate martyr. But when you think about our leaders. Our great leaders, even Malcolm X, they started from the bottom. They, they went through systems, often more than one. We, we know that Malcolm followed more than one religion in the course of his life, before he, and then he evolved to, to another place. So in order for us to, to really take what Olinka is saying and apply it, I know y'all don't want to hear this. <laughs> we have to be willing to do the work. And you have to be willing to do the work on the individual level first. And then do it for your family. And then do it for your community. If you can't feed yourself, as my sister Juan Wapani says all the time, where's your revolution? If you can't feed your army, where's your revolution? If you can't supply your, your community, where's your revolution? If you can't trust your community, where is your revolution? So we have to get beyond, you know, demographics of religion, for instance. Understand, Bois Cayman don't mean everybody had the same religion. That's never been the case. 
we've never been from the same tribe. We've never all been from the same ethnic group. We've never all followed the same God. We've never all had the same quote-unquote ritual practices. So we're trying to force something organic into an artificial seed through, a, through an artificial tube. And so we've got to go back, Olinka. We have to. We've got to go back, Kalia. We have to. Um, Keona, you on, but you never said nothing. Are you with us? Okay. Because there's a way in which Kalia used maroons, and then there's a way in which we use maroons in the Americas. And, and, and first, there's that from the American perspective, those who escaped slavery, often in mountainous regions like Cuba, Jamaica, areas of that age, where they were able to continue or redevelop a continuance of African culture separate from mainstream society. We indeed had maroon camps here. In fact, when we think about enslavement in America, the largest percentage of those maroon camps were in Louisiana. And we're not taught about that. We don't teach about that. We know about nanny and the maroons. And often when people think about maroonage, they immediately go to nanny and the maroons. They don't think about north of the border at all. They, They don't think about other enslaved Africans and other regions that managed to escape, to get away, and find some way of survival in nature. Uh, The story here in New Orleans, the history here in New Orleans, uh, for me, is tied to St. Milo. St. Milo. And St. Milo was Black, quite possibly Hispanic and Filipino, um, and managed to escape and return. Escape, live out in the maroonage, live out in the wilderness for for weeks at a time, come back into town, gather food, gather resources, steal weaponry, and then go back out again. And many risked their lives to do so. Many saw their wives sold off, sold their mothers sold off, saw their children sold off, and worked tirelessly to find out where they were. And if they were in any vicinity, they would escape to go see them. They might know Massa's schedule. They might know Massa goes away for Thanksgiving for three weeks, goes away for Christmas for three weeks. And then they might escape during that time and go see their wife, go see their mother, go see their loved one. So maroonage in the American context is little discussed. It really needs a greater platform. It really needs to be heard just as much as we are aware of, of the maroonage that took place in Brazil and, and in the Caribbean and in other parts of the world. Now, the way in which you all were using maroon today in direct connection to Cameroon, I've never heard that before. Oh, yeah. 
I've never heard that before. Can you speak to that? Um, we're taught different in the island, and most of the people that were marooned in that area were from Cameroon. We're not some Cameroon um, blood in them. So when they talk about it, it's just really the bloodline. You understand what I'm saying? But either Arawak, which were the first Indians that were in Jamaica, mixed with Cameroon Africans. And those people were the slaves, and when they came to shore, they ran up in the mountains, as you said, and they used um, the phobia to protect themselves from the slaves. Now, because, you know, the, the, the slavery in the island was a sugarcane slavery, which was one of the harshest slavery. Mm-hmm. They believed in more bucking than anything. That's why in Jamaica, you know, they ate, you know, whatever. But that's where it all stems from. So most of those people had a lot of Cameroon blood in them. Those were Cameroon Africans mixed with Arawak. So that's where that came from. So do you believe that that even the usage of the word maroon um, may have originate there and then spread out to other um, regions of, of the new world? Of course. I believe that it's just universal knowledge, right? And I believe in every region, there's a story to tell. Do you know what I'm saying? Because we're all the one that's people. Mm-hmm. We're all one. Whether you're from Louisiana, America, Jamaica, um, Trinidad, a Spanish country, they were just sent on different ships, but they're all one people. Okay, but you know what I mean? I know what you're saying. And just like when you have two bonds, they can't be close. I couldn't hear you. We can't hear you. Like when you had the two bonds, um, the two bonds that came to New York, they were out loud because they were the most vicious. I mean, not vicious. Hold on, 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 hold on
because I'm, I'm I'm speaking really to Kalia right now. I'm speaking to everybody, but I'm speaking to what Kalia said. So I think that maybe, just maybe, in Jamaica, just like we do here in the South, you hear one word and you attach it to to, to another word, and then it, and it takes on a life of its own. Right. Because we have because we hold on because because we have an understanding here in America and particularly in in Louisiana that maroon and maroonage is not limited to one ethnic group. So when you say Cameroon, first of all, when you say Cameroon, you're you're talking about a country. You're not even talking about ethnic groups. And then when DP interjects a con and Olinka interjects a Santahini, now we're talking about ethnic groups. And so we, just as I described, say, my vote. I am Cameroon. That's not the point. Mm-hmm. That's, not the point. That's, not the point. That's not the point I'm trying to make. That's why I asked you all to listen. That's not the point I'm trying to make. The point I'm trying to make is, is that when we say maroon and we talk about maroonage, we are not talking about Cameroon. That, that's a misnomer. And when we study what maroonage is, we find many ethnic groups fought. Many ethnic groups fought against enslavement. And so they would be included as maroons if they managed to escape slavery, develop a camp, or a lifestyle away from, you know, slavery for any amount of time. And so we know that did not happen just in Jamaica. We also know it happened in Brazil. We also know that it happened in America. So the only point I'm making is is that it's not a direct tie to Cameroon as a country. Um, In fact, Cameroon as we know it now was not Cameroon. During it, during the time of, of enslavement, so we have to look at ethnic groups, and and I don't know how many of my previous shows you've ever watched, Kalia, but I talk about this a lot in terms of how we generalize Obia. For okay, we we, we we generalize Obia, we generalize Voodoo, we generalize what Ifa is, without acknowledging the ethnic groups behind it. So when we say Ifa, for instance. You're, you're speaking Yoruba. You're speaking Yoruba. My people are Fonti. My, my people are Fon. They say Fa with no I. Fa. So often, you know, I have clients come to me. They say, oh, but I'm trying to figure out my lineage. And, and they don't say ethnic group. They say my lineage. And then they say, should I be doing Ifa or should I be doing Voodoo? And they're the same thing. Just different wording, just different language. Like, like you said, Kalia, they took us and then scattered us. You know, so so there would have been a multitude of ethnic groups present. There would have been several families, if that's an easier word to digest, several families present, and not all of them would have been down with it. I think it's a mistake for us, not for you all, but for us to feed into the idea of the house in the field, the house Negro in the field Negro, which is how it plays out up here, <laughs> Kalia, in the U.S. You know, somehow this idea that the house Negro was weak, 
and, and didn't fend for himself and didn't fight and didn't have any fight in him is a lie. You can watch yeah. you can watch TV and figure that out. So I, I do know a little bit about Jamaica. Um, I, I make a conscious decision not to talk about Jamaica a, a whole lot on my show because I got I got issues with Jamaica. Okay. I got I got I got issues. I got some issues with some of the some of the some of the politics that 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 come out of Jamaica sometimes that that affect us, you know, as black people. Um, like like the fact that they're still lynching gay people and and lesbians and in, in, in Jamaica. I, I just can't support that, you know. But in terms of um, you know, when I hear Cameroon. I, I I feel the connection, you know, but yeah. I, I I think that's just how we use words in, in our community, you know, in the black, you know, and we put things together, you know, and and it makes sense to us, you know, where we are, you know. It's, it's funny because I am a born American, as I told you, I was adopted. Right? Jamaican, the woman was Jamaican and the man was Chinese. Well, let me say this. Let me say this real quick. You don't have much of a Chinese accent at all. No, 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 no. Hold on. But you got a strong Jamaican accent. You really do. Like, you understand what I'm saying? And your six-year-old and someone's telling you 
Hold on. Neophyte, hold on. Neophyte, Bokor, I don't know what's going on. You're not on the phone. You're not present in the chat. So I don't understand what your question mark is about. In fact, I don't know where you are, to be quite honest. So somebody suggested, I think it was Keona, that you had something to say, but you're not visible anywhere, bro. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, Kalia, I love what you just said because you also gave me the opportunity to address another misnomer in, in Black America, and that is that we just all Black and that there is no distinction or, or prejudices or, or even racism that exists within us. Um, and, and I preach every day, make sure you get the racism out of you first. Make sure you get the white supremacy out of you first. I'm talking to you, black man. I'm talking to you, black woman. Make sure you get it out of you first. Uh, Some of the most egregious racial incidents of my life always involve people my color, people from my community. (laughs) You know, now they might be Jamaican. They might be Haitian. Uh, I don't think people are, are truly aware of the level of racism that exists in the Haitian community for instance, towards African-Americans. You know, they, they will take your money. They will take your tourism. But behind closed doors and when they're in group and when they're speaking patois, they don't accept you as a part of who they are. And they're missing. But no one accepts Americans. And the sad part about it is Americans paid the way for you to even come to this damn country. So who gives you the right to have any racism? Like, I don't understand it. the American dream. They're riding on the illusion of the American dream. And the American dream has never included us, has never included me, has never included you. And so they're, they're bringing and demonstrating what they've heard, what they've taught, what the U.S. has taught them about us, what the world has taught them about us. And so they come here and that becomes a part of their demonstration uh, until they're forced to live with us on real terms. Now, I've had the opportunity to befriend, and I go out of my way to befriend these foreign store owners in the middle of our community. Because I want to know why. Who are you? Where are you from? Why are you opening up this store in the middle of my neighborhood, in the middle of my hood, where there are no other Chinese people, where there are no other Arab people? I want to know. And so in order to do that, you got to communicate. You, you got to be friendly enough to at least get some names and numbers. You know what I'm saying? You know, and I'll, and I'll pull out my little Google Translate, you know, and, and I'll learn a few words of their language. You know, I know a few words in, in a lot of languages. Uh, Amharic, Ethiopian, Arabic, you know, uh, and I throw out what little words I know in Igbo, Yoruba, you know, and it always opens them up. And then I start asking questions. Well, what do they tell you about slavery where you're from? What do they tell you about black people in America where you're from? You know, even online, I ask those questions, you know, in the Badu, in the WhatsApp. You know, those are some of the first questions that I ask. And you'd be surprised how many of them shut down 
within two or three questions because it's just not said out loud. It's just not spoken out loud, you know. So we as blacks in America who are repatriating in our heads, in our minds, in our hearts, in our consciousness, we really got to become more, can I say universal? Can I say international? And we've got to expose ourselves to black people other than just what's going on in the U.S. and vice versa. If we don't tell our story, our story is being told by other people. So I'm back where? Back where? Back where? He's not on screen. He's not on the phone line. So he's back where, Kiona? That's my question. He's back, but where? <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I don't see him. I don't see him at all. We don't see him at all. I see his name in chat, and that's it. I see him in chat, and that's it. He's not on screen. One of the things that I found out that like, when I went to St. Paul, and this is really strange, is that when I was here in America, I could not have had church boyfriends. Turn y'all's y'all's volume down. You're getting way too much feedback. Somebody's got their volume up too high and it's too close to your mic. That's Olinka. 
Okay, Olinka, you got to adjust your background noise, boo. I don't know where your mic is, but when you move around like that, we hear everything that's going on in, in your house. Um, thank you. So I muted you just for a second. I just unmuted you, so you must have muted yourself. And when you're ready to talk, just unmute yourself. But when you get up like that, something weird goes on, and we hear everything in your house. Um, okay.
wants to know what kind of voodoo you use to catch a man like that. Because they want a man like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know 
Somebody, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, Olin, so, something weird is going on because everything is repeating like multiple times. So, Olink, I had to mute you again. Um, Neophyte Bokor, he he muted himself. Yeah, you could hear that. It was like an echo chamber. Oh, yeah, yeah. So go ahead and say your piece. language in general 
um, how we view elders, how we view activists. (laughs) You know, all these words have evolved, you know, over the decades in terms of usage, in terms of severity, um, and how we respond to those words um, um, when we hear them, what we expect um, from those words when we hear them. Um, So so I think that's important. Um, The idea that everybody, you know, now is a reader, the idea now that everybody now has has magical power, has spiritual power, you know, is a little bit overdone, you know, in, in terms of where people are putting in the work, where people are really building the foundation uh, behind those traditions, behind those ideas, and, and, and just doing that work within itself um, can be all-consuming. Ask my sister Wapani. <laughs> It can be all-consuming. I'm trying to, you know, just examine, you know, a word, a phraseology, an ethnic group, a people, and and go at it from an academic, if you will, perspective, and and really start looking at the dictionary, the sources, the encyclopedias, you know, the the theses that have been written, you know, as opposed to what pops up on that first page when you do a Google search. And, 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 yeah. Right. Listen, listen, hold on. Yeah, I like to put it this way. What pops up is what's paid for. Those are your promotional, your promotional ads, okay? Uh, what, what's promoted? That that's what pops up first, and and then what's popular, not necessarily what's real, or what's the truth. And and listen, I don't want to sound arrogant. I use Wikipedia, I use Google, but typically I go ten pages or more in. If it's present, I go ten pages in to the search. I usually don't pay attention to the first ten pages for that reason. Looking for something a little bit more organic, more authentic, more rooted, and, and with a footprint. That might just, but that might just be you. Hold on, that might just be you in the grocery store. Because if you understand how grocery stores are laid out, they put what's most popular, they put what they need to get rid of, and usually what's least healthiest is is the first thing you see coming in. It's the first thing at the end of the aisle. It's the closest thing to reach. You know, your healthier food is way up high or way down low. Or like you said, way, way in the back of the store. Next to that door that the employees use to come and go through. 
And, and then on the other side, it's right next to the fish. You know, <laughs> the smelliest part of the store. Why? Why is that? That's right.
live and I'm asleep and I'm going to keep moving forward in life. And that's just the reality. But I have a problem when you teach your child who's innocent to hate for any reason. Because they'll never truly learn to love them. So that's where I got my problem is. interesting area to explore as well. Um, you know, many of you have heard me say, you know, I, I was a kid on the street. Um, I was a teenage runaway um, for, for obvious reasons. And um, one of the things, well, not one of the things, many of the things that carried with me was my education, what my mother exposed us to. You heard me describe how my mother educated us, you know, coming up. And so those skills rose to the occasion when I needed them most. And so another reason, other than just that I might appear ethnic, I might appear to be not quite black, um, was my diction or how I spoke or how I carried myself. And I, and I recognized those things early on to be class-based. Now, we look at it as just, you know, how you was brought up. You know, some of us grew up, you know, in, in, a, in a family of women who were extremely clean. Some of us grew up, you know, in, in a family of people who liked nice things, you know. So, uh, so the idea that, you know, black is somehow synonymous with poverty or the ghetto or, or being poor or, or being underexposed is, is an extension of, of, of racism itself and, and white supremacy. But then when we look at the ethnic groups, I thought it was cute how uh, Kalia, you know, used the word race and racism, uh, but but then you said Jamaican, then you said Haitian, which are not race, but ethnicity, ethnicity, and, and we still have a strong uh, uh, gray area in the West, particularly when it comes to ethnicity. I think racism has also forced sort of a black white, and, and God forbid, red, yellow kind of pattern. And I think even today, that language might be seen as racist today. Would you call a Chinese man yellow? Really? Would, would you call a Native American red man? Really? You know, and, and so, but we embrace black. We embrace brown. And to some degree, we embrace white which maintains that white supremacist dynamic. My, my gift to the world, um, Kali, I've said this on previous shows, I, I realize this is your first show, is that everybody who got a social security number should have a DNA test, in my opinion. 
Now, I know there's a lot of chatter about DNA that was discussed by my sister and some others in, in the chat while we were talking. You all had a little conversation about DNA and some of the conspiracy theories around DNA and some of your fears around DNA. But I think DNA would even the playing field, just like the Internet did, in terms of us getting a grasp on not just race, who you are and where you're from. But I'm talking more so for Americans and particularly black and white Americans who adhere strongly to that color spectrum that I just laid out, red, black, white, yellow. You know, we've come to accept red as being now racist. We've come to accept yellow as now somehow being racist. But yet, in the context of Western culture, we're still comfortable with with white, black, and brown. We're still comfortable with that. And that is still feeding the white supremacist system is what I'm suggesting. It still feeds into the organization of what racism is if we can reduce all ethnic groups into black. It, it takes away your being Jamaican. It strips away the importance of your Haitian heritage. It strips away the importance of your Kenyan or your Ethiopian heritage to just say black or brown. And and who's black, really? Who's not from Sudan? <laughs> you know, who's black, really? Who's not from Kenya? <laughs> you know? So, yes, indeed, there is a spectrum there that, that I think Jamaican culture, for instance, uses, but uses in a weaponized way. Uh, when you say yellow man, you know, when you say bright-skinned man, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, a weaponizing of race and, that, and ethnicity. Uh, in, in, in that, in that context. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about Okay, but my but my point is in that context, both of y'all were wrong. In that context, both of y'all were wrong. Because it's a lot of black people from many parts of the world. Yeah, who have who have straight hair. I agree. I agree. And, and Halima Candy in the chat said racism is white power structure that controls and dominates economy, education, entertainment, labor laws, politics, religion, sex, war, etc. And, and that's really what we're looking at when we start addressing colorism, classism, sexism at the root 
is racism. The point, Kalia, I was trying to make with you, beloved, is that even when we say black, we're all black. He black, I'm black, but you got good hair. Well, what's good hair? And and we find straight. And we find. Kalia, slow down. Slow down, beloved. Ooh, girlfriend, you you definitely Jamaican raised. You talk like a Jamaican raised, honey. Slow it down. Slow it down, okay? Let me get a word in edgewise. Um, the point I'm trying to make is we say good hair, and we learned that as an extension of whites in the U.S. The Ethiopians didn't learn that concept of good hair. The, 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 the black in India didn't learn that concept of good hair. So, so equally, when we say black, when you say you black and I'm black, we all black, you're, you're limiting our acknowledgement of ethnicity, of ethnicity. And, and I don't mean ethnicity as a hierarchy. Because you're Ethiopian, that make you superior uh, to, to Uganda or Sudan. You know, that I, I don't mean it in that sense. But I mean that as long as we allow the environment to deny ethnicity, then that supports, as Halima Candy has has laid out the system of white supremacy. Let's look at it from the perspective of white people. When I offered everybody in America a DNA test, white folks should be in the front of the line. How many white folks are walking around pass on Negro? Okay. Passing as, as white and they really black. How many ethnic groups get a pass in, in the system of white supremacy for appearing to not be or to be less than. You understand what I'm saying? That, does that make sense, beloved? Yes, it does. Come on, y'all. I'm going to give y'all about 15 more minutes. So come on with your questions, comments, requests. Thank you. 
politically they chose this label white. So then choosing this label white kind of throws everybody else into the colorful system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand. We we weren't black until what the 1960s. Some of you youngsters don't understand that. Some of you younger folks don't understand that in my lifetime, in the lifetime of my sister and my mom, I can remember a time when there was no black. No, nobody said black. You, you were Negro or, or, or Afro American or, or many other titles that we've continued to sort of evolved through. So I, I, that's a great point, Neophyte Book Corps. Continue with that. Yes, sir. Um, when we go into our, our civil rights movements, before that, precursor to that, we have our, our, our leaders like uh, Mark Scarkey and whatnot, who coined this phrase, as a way of being able to collectively uh, organize Negro people, which I, I But you have to use it in context. That was the word when when Marcus Garvey was alive. That was the word. We were not black. Yeah, we weren't African. Go ahead. But even when I hear you say that, I'm still hearing we are in human beings in the context of their system. Exactly. As long as we continue to...
I suggest the, the only way to do that is through lineage, and lineage comes through through DNA. Now, of course, in the conversation of DNA, you know, as I said a minute ago, you got your conspiracy theorists, you got your people who don't trust, you got people who don't trust the system. Uh, hell, we got people today who don't trust the system, they don't trust the education. And, and so my question is, what then do we replace it with? How, how then do we educate people? You know, we, we can say, well, we'll homeschool, but you have to be qualified to homeschool, and you have to have the necessary resources to appropriately homeschool. So how then do we educate beyond the mediums that we're using literally right now, um, the Internet, social media, video, YouTube, StreamYard, how then do we educate large numbers of people and then move this consciousness forward. When I look at the media, social media that's available to us, you know, we know people that's got entertainment platforms, comedy platforms, sexual-based platforms, you know, political platforms, you know, and and have 100,000 followers, 200,000 likes. But where indeed is that collection of people coming together who really want change beyond the status quo, beyond what somebody else doesn't already set up for us and, and make easy. I agree. I agree. I agree. Some of us are too silent, and silence breeds, uh, uh, oh, shoot, what's the word I'm looking for? Silence breeds, um, uh, no, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, indifference. Silence breeds indifference. And, and, and indifference breeds inactivity. Is there a delay or are you with me? I think there is.
You're op- you're opening up a whole new conversation. I mean, we could literally do a whole another two hours on just on, on just on just Omolu Oye, um, Omolu Oye, Omolu Babalu Oye, and and how he manifests in the world. Uh, many of you sort of understand him to be infirmities and diseases and and smallpox and 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 pestilence. But indeed, Omolu Oye is the antidote, is the antidote. So I believe that there's contextual proof that supports what you're saying that, that was carried through the Middle Passage from Africa into the New World. Listen, we understand that we taught how to grow foods. We and the indigenous people taught how to survive often. And so they didn't just randomly select blacks. They didn't just randomly select Africans. They tried to target ethnic groups, ethnic groups with specific skill sets, who knew how to cultivate rice, who knew how to cultivate yam, who knew how to address pestilence, disease. So the, the priests of, of, of Obolu Oye would have been of, of a threat, would have been highly sought. Your medicine man would have been sought. The, the idea of, of kill the voodoo in America, but on the other side of Atlantic, they absolutely would have sought the healer, the practitioners who possessed knowledge for survival. America was a harsh world for, for the survival of, of the European settlers. We have a story of a whole colony of settlers disappearing uh, in, in this quote-unquote new world. We don't know if the, if, if the indigenous people ate them. You know, if they got swallowed up in the earth, we, we still don't know what happened to that colony. But we do know that without the sciences of the indigenous people and the enslaved Africans themselves, we would not have survived to, to, to be here today. So I, I do believe there was a, a hidden knowledge, secret knowledge, mystery systems that were carried through the Middle Passage that provided for the Haitian create natural vaccines and natural protection from various diseases. The New World did not know uh, sexually transmitted diseases. That's why syphilis, for instance, was able to kill out so many of the the indigenous Brazilian population introduced by your colonizers and your missionaries, you know, who who to some degree remain freaks till today. And so we, we have to look at more natural, organic, earth-based ways of connecting with ourselves and with God to further healing into the future. And, and just imagine the disappearing of plants, the disappearance of bees, the disappearance of certain species of trees right under our nose, especially those of us who live in the big cities. I just told you all, they they cut down every apple tree on the lakefront in Chicago, every one of them. They cut down and dug up every peach tree, every blackberry tree on the lakefront in Chicago to build that nice concrete structure y'all have to sit on now, out in that blazing sun with no cover. You know, they got rid of all the trees. They got rid of all of what's natural. And I'm hearing that in some states, they're making it illegal for you to be self-sustaining, for you to grow and harvest food 
and, and herbs and plants in your yard. In some places, right. it's illegal for you to have chicken. You hear that, Wapani? Yeah. <laughs> Me and Wapani talk about that a lot because often in my gardening, in my voodoo, in my horticulture, I like edible plants. I'm just into edible plants. I ain't got nothing against what's beautiful and what's cute and what's flowers, but if I can't eat it, usually I'm not going to, to grow it. Um, so we, we talk about that a lot, and I don't do a whole lot of growing from seeds to be quite honest. I have some. I have some that some of my godchildren have sent me that I haven't even explored planting yet because I find uh, cutting and, and, and hybriding from other live plants to be much more useful, to be much more productive. Now, I think it's important based on what Neophyte Bokor just said and what my sister Wapani talks about, you know, the source. Where is the source of the plant that, that you're generating your seed or your life plant from? I, I do think that that's important, but I don't do a whole lot of seed. I collect seeds, beloved, yes. Halima Candy, I collect seeds. And if you come down to New Orleans, you can have some. I've got all kinds of seeds. Let's just put it that way. I got all kinds of seeds. Okay. <laughs> I got all kinds of seeds from all over the country. Uh, I've got seeds. I hesitated. I had to make sure my security is in place. Um, I got seeds. I got seeds that go back to the 80s, to the 1980s, from all over the world. Seeds uh, from various plants. So I, I do collect them. I do hold on to them. I, I'm just suggesting that I'm not. I'm a better green thumb cocoa with live plants than I am with seeds and germinating seeds. Now, if I can root a plant, yes. If I can find it in nature, yes. You can find great stuff in nature. That's why I suggested this app. And it it costs, I think, $30 a year. It's called Picture This. Picture This. Um. I don't know what this looks like on camera. Okay, so it's a camera button, it's a gallery button, and, and of course, it's a search button. But down at the bottom, you hit the camera, you take a picture of your plant, your tree. I mean, it could be small, it could be just coming up. It is the best search that I've ever found. You just got to pay $29.95 a year to have it in your phone. So for people like Wapani and others who are out in nature, who are out in, 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 the, in the woods, in the forest, in the country, but even in the city, you can now better identify what's growing up. And it gives you the opportunity to protect it, to harvest it for yourself, to move it and relocate it. I, I found ginseng in the wild, and I have relocated to my house. <laughs> I have found blackberry in the wild and have relocated it to my house. Um, so it's great to have a better knowledge of 
what a plant is, what's available, so that we can harvest them. Um, are you all doing your homework? I asked some of you maybe a month ago, it might have been back in March, to read Octavia Butler, Parable of the Sower. Greetings, Danica James. I just love that St. Louis Cathedral photograph you got going on. Uh, she's asking, how can I become a gardener at the neighborhood gardener? Um, now, Danica James, I'm going to assume, based on your photograph, that she's talking about my garden in the neighborhood garden in, in my neighborhood. Real easy. Give me a call. <laughs> Real easy. Send me an email. Real easy. I, I'll hook you up with Miss Gloria. Miss Gloria, one of the most wonderful people you ever want to meet. Uh, we we from the same place. So I call Miss Gloria my play cousin, and she'll be glad to bring you in. You ain't said nothing but a word, beloved. Danica, just just email me. Just send me an email. I'll hook you up with Miss Gloria right now. <laughs> I'll hook you up with Miss Gloria today. Great question. Great question. Yeah, me and my sister Wapani are deep, deep into sustainability, um, not just food, energy sustainability, water sustainability. And unfortunately for many of you with the, with the Western mindset, it takes a calamity, a tragedy, an emergency to wake you up to that. And the time you need to be focusing on it is right now when nothing's happening. Right now when you might have a little bit of resources. And start where you are. Start with what you got. And, and if it's not in your community, bring it. Introduce it. Now, we have WaterWise here in New Orleans. WaterWise. And the WaterWise program will help you to better apply natural resources to capture rainwater for the prevention of flooding and damage to property and homes and erosion, but also for usage and recycling. Water barrels are not quite as expensive as you would think. Uh, having the right plumbing, the right, uh, what do you call them, gutter extension on your house to funnel that water into a reservoir. Um, it's, it's not quite as complicated as you might think. Uh, and we have programs that do that. So if there's not a water-wise in your community, you might be the one to write that that grant. You might be the one to bring that, introduce that that uh, uh, resource into your community. So I have water barrels. My whole community that I live in here in Tremay, we have water barrels that I can use to water my garden and to do other things. Now, of course, you can't drink it. That's a whole nother level of sustainability. Now you have to get proper filtration to catch bacteria, to catch amoeba, things you can't see before you can even get to the drinking part. But this is the time to do that. This is the time to plan. I can remember a time, and I'm sure my sister Wapani won't get mad for me saying this, but I can remember a time when Pani lived in an apartment and maybe had one or two plants and wasn't thinking about growing nothing, you know, was doing good just to get up and, and make that schedule, you know, every day. Um, and, and so we all struggle to change our mind, to change our way of looking at things, you know, to, to start where you are, to start small, 
to start with a couple of buckets, to start with a few pots. <clears throat> yeah, Danica James, if you are in New Orleans, you are already in the garden, beloved. Just give me an email. Hey, Joy Joy. Oh, Joy Joy, you got a flooded black yard. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, our streets tend to flood sometimes like that. Fortunately, we're not flooded now. I don't believe. Let me look. No, we, we're not flooded now. It happens a lot in New Orleans. But we've got to become more sustainable. We can't keep saying we're conscious. We can't keep saying we witches. We can't keep saying we voodoo and hoodoo and root work and conjure. And you running back and forth to the Botanica. It don't make no sense. It makes no sense at all. And so you've got to begin to learn how to do for yourself, create for yourself. Grow your own sage. Sage is one of the easy. I got so much sage up in here, it's ridiculous. I got sage coming out of my ears, coming out of closets. I got so much sage, it's, it's unbelievable. I get more rosemary than that. So growing is not difficult. Growing in a pot. Some of you have seen my garden. Those are pots. Those, those kumquat trees, that blueberry tree are in pots. Huge pots, by the way, like 75-gallon pots or, or bigger. Huge pots probably come up to my knees, maybe a little higher than my knees, and I'm six foot tall. So there's no excuse. Plastic buckets, you get your husband or the man at Lowe's or, or Home Depot to drill a hole, a couple of holes in the bottom so, so that you get drainage. You'd be surprised what they'll do for you at Home Depot. Just ask. If you ask, they'll do it for you, you know, you, but you got to ask, you know, and create sustainability. And, and not only sustainability, peace. Uh, Danica James, um, my email is, is scrolling at the bottom of the screen right now. Yeah, sustainability. What happens when Walmart and the truck can't get to you? Listen, we just went through that for four minutes. Back in April, what no meat, remember? What no milk? How soon we forget? What no toilet paper? Y- y'all have forgot that already? Seriously, y'all have forgot I have, that already? I have an email about that very topic that I just got a couple of days ago I'd appreciate that. I, I would. I would. But we've got to begin to plan for the future. We've got to begin to plan for the right now. You know, whether it's our money, whether it's our food resources, all of our resources, we've got to be better stewards of what's available to us, what we already hold in hand, what we already have access to, and then grow. And then grow. No, you still can't find Lysol, Keona. I don't know what's going on with Lysol people. I, I don't know what that conspiracy is, but you can't you can't find Lysol spray anywhere, anywhere. I, I can't. Now, what about the, the the wipes, the sanitation wipes? 
where your wives are right now in that category, anything that you can find that's P and G or Procter and Gamble is gonna fall is gonna fall under that category. Because they hold patent up on that and a lot of your foods come from Procter and Gamble. If you guys really look into that and watch what you're eating too. But there's no reason why Procter and Gamble should be making any other food. All right. So you heard it. You heard it here, live at noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. I'm grateful for you all taking the time out of the middle of your day to always be present here with me in this shared sacred space. I look forward to doing it with you again, um, quite possibly on tomorrow at high noon, U.S. Central Standard Time. I'm going to give you all Mighty Sparrow, Witch Doctor. Until next time, all is truly and indeed a blessing. Respect the voodoo, no matter what you do. Respect the voodoo. Ancestors see all. 